Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome and thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. My name is Zach Brittle. I'm here with Laura Hecht. This week and next, we're talking to a couple of relationship coaches. This week, we're talking to Nick Sotelo. I love, love having access to Nick's work. You might remember a while back, we did an interview with Larry Hagner from the Dad Edge Alliance, which is kind of a support group, tribe, mastermind for men, uh, really of all shapes and sizes who are trying to become better husbands, better dads, better business people, better fitness people. Nick is a leader inside that community. That's how we met. And um, I just really appreciate what he brings to the table. He's a psychologist. He's an educator. Right now, he's doing most of his work around men and anger. If you are a man, or if you know a man who's angry, and by the way, if you're a man, you're angry. And if you know a man, he's angry. I'm angry. And Nick does a really good job of helping guys come to terms with that, learn how to uh, operate within it, and learn how to use it, almost. Um, He will talk a little bit about his perspective here. I refer my clients to him all the time. I can't recommend him highly enough. I can't recommend the Dad Edge Alliance highly enough. If you're a man who's trying to look for a way to feel less alone in the journey of marriage or parenthood or just kind of becoming a, a, a guy in this world, um, check it out. Uh, we did an episode with the founder, Larry Hagner. That was in August of 2022. It was number 228. Um, so you might want to go back and check that out. But for now, uh, let's hear from Nick Sotelo. This is a very cool conversation. Stick around. Dr. Nick, what do people call you? People that know me call me Nick. My students call mm-hmm. me Dr. Sotelo, but most everybody okay. calls me Nick. Your students, you teach? I do, yeah. I'm a university professor here in Salem, Oregon, Corbin University. Okay, tell me about that because I I think that there's a future. I t- well, Zach and I teach for the Gottman Institute, yeah. which is teaching other clinicians. I don't have to grade work. Uh, I get to just show up. And so there's a part of me that would like to teach at the collegiate level. However, I don't want to do any of the work. I just want to stand up there and share knowledge. So you want to be a guest lecturer. That's what there we go. Yeah. How does that work out? Does that pay well? Can I find joy and satisfaction? It depends on, you know, it's a different kind of pay, but there, there is a strategy uh, about being a guest lecturer at different universities, and then you can say mm-hmm. that you um, had an f- official capacity at that university, and you're not you're not lying. Okay, right that's true. I mean, <laughs> right. I also I'm not I'm not opposed to lying. I'm okay with that. Right. That's right. Like I used to work at La- like at Harvard. If you had like the one yeah. lecture that you went it was in ninety on, minutes, on a... but I worked there. <laughs> that's right. Yep. <laughs> right okay. What do you teach while you're there? Uh, I teach in the uh, Department of Clinical Mental Health Counseling. So it's a oh. K-CREP accredited program, and I'm one of the core faculty there. So right I'm teaching, on. 
mental health clinicians. Yeah. Okay. You kind of do it all there. All right, like you so got a lot going on because you're 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 teaching and I you're do. a therapist and you're coaching. You're offering supervision. Um, I told Laura you're part of the Dad Edge, which is this. We interviewed. If you uh, have not gone back and, uh, and listened to the interview we did a couple years ago with Larry Hagner, the Dad Edge is a men's group that right. Nick is a part of. And um, so, yeah, that, we're just we're excited to talk to you. I, I have uh, we have all kinds of questions. Yeah, perfect. Can I start with my question? Of course. Here's my first question. Because we do have, on this podcast, we have a lot of clinicians that listen to this as well. <laughs> and I noticed that you use the word coaching on your website, and you, but you are also a clinical supervisor, which okay. is uh, kind of, you have to have your license in order to do that. So how do you play that dance? Or what's the difference between what you would consider coaching from therapy and how do you, how do, you do that um, on the business side? Yeah. So I think philosophically, there's two different things that go on between coaching and counseling. And I've, I've written about this. I uh, just did a post recently about it and have a podcast episode kind of dedicated to what I think the difference is. Okay. And, but just to quickly do what I do, people uh, to help people understand is, you know, picture a blank piece of paper in your mind if you can, you know, run a line down the middle of it. And we're going to call that normal, whatever normal is. Right. And then you run a little nice little sine wave down the middle of the page as normal on that baseline. In my opinion, my experience and my read of, of uh, on the ethical codes, at least within mental health counseling, is that counseling comes into play when somebody drops below baseline. Mm. Right. So they're so they're 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 normal that where they would say things were quote unquote fine. We all know what that means, right? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But yeah. they've they've dropped below that. And how do we know that? Well, they have symptoms, they meet criteria, you know, they, they get a diagnosis. And mm -hmm. you know, our goal then is to return them back to baseline, right? So we do symptom reduction, symptom abatement, things are, things are quote unquote normal and fine again. And then, you know, we, we terminate services and we move on. Where I see coaching as moving that, that baseline uh, and increasing its capacity, right? So you're, you're actually moving people beyond what they thought was normal or fine and pushing them into a new place of, of uh, capacity and increasing their abilities to move beyond what, what that uh, uh, previous vision of themselves were. So, and I think ethically there's some difference, nice. right? I think that's helpful. The reason that we had you on Nick is because uh, Nick and I had a conversation because I've been referring a lot of my clients in his direction, primarily because they're guys who are, they're, they're doing okay. They, they kind of, they have their head on their shoulders. They kind of know what they're wanting, but they're just sort of stuck and they're kind of stuck in patterns or stuck in a mindset sort of thing. And Nick does a really good job. And you, you, when I asked you kind of what you're good at, you very specifically said, I'm good at helping men deal with anger, which is, I think would be the heart of my questions today. Um, but how mm -hmm. do you like, is that, did I, did I get that right? Or how do you, how would you describe yeah. that better than I just did? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I think um, one of the things that I sifted through my own experience, both personal and professional, uh, things that I was required to do. So another part of my background is uh, over two decades in youth corrections. And uh, oh, in wow. Oregon, I always have to qualify this because states do it different differently. But in Oregon, we could keep young people in our youth system until they're age 25. 
right? So wow. in terms of, you know, development, you know, you, you are talking about, you know, grown males, almost fully formed brains, right? It's not <laughs> only, you know, 12 to 14 year olds and some other states, they have different parameters. Anyway, so obviously I've dealt with a lot of anger issues uh, in that, in that part of my life, um, been certified in, in a lot of different uh, interventions, you know, specific to, to anger control or anger management. And so, mm. um, and then seeing that, in my professional world and also seeing it in my personal world with whether it was me or uh, my friends and whatnot it's just a common thread that um it's not surprising to you know be in contact with a male and you know uh, have them struggle with anger at some point in their life and so um just figured that would be something that i would uh, dig into and learn uh, as much about as possible and start bringing more and more of what i think is uh, relevant to helping men with that um, to to the world and through the services that I provide. When you talk about anger, what are you talking about? Like, what's your working definition of right. anger? Perfect. I, and I think that's a it's an important distinction because there's the feeling of anger, uh, but then there's also the behavioral response to anger is what usually catches people's attention, right? Ugh. And so it's it's our behavioral responses to our feeling states. That is what gets judged as as good or bad, um, and it's not necessarily the feeling state itself. Feelings are just feelings, right? And so it's how we respond to those feelings that catches the attraction uh, to others. So anger, a working definition is um, it's when you experience something in your environment that triggers your sense of um, safety. Uh, you know, this is not safe or this is unjust. Is what I would say. Anger is a is a, a feeling state that's responding to something, you know, internally, externally. It says this is not right. This is not safe. This is not just. And something mm. has to be done right now. I had a, a client who was a corrections officer, and we were talking about de-escalation. And he <laughs> said, "I work with de-escalation all day long as a corrections officer." And he said, "I have this <laughs> one trick that I use." And the question is. Uh, if he sees that somebody's escalating in order to, he said, I want to seek to understand them. And so the question that I ask is, have I misunderstood you or disrespected you in some way? And he said, that is the fastest way to deescalate someone yep. is to ask them. And it just kind of, I just, it just dawned on me when you said disrespect, because I was like, oh, that's not a word that women use very often. Mm -hmm. I don't hear it. I hear it a lot with males. I don't hear it a lot with females. Um, so I just wanted to point that part out. And you're kind yeah. of nodding along like, oh, that's, does that sound familiar? Is that like something they teach you in the corrections uh, facility yeah, I mean, or trainings? So I think on, I, I'm always, and so I appreciated Zach's question too, you, you know, and on yours, Laura, I'm not saying that yours, but um, they teach you a lot of front end, like how to practical nuts and bolts. This is what you do. They don't do mm -hmm. so well on the, the mechanism behind that. Right. And so um what I would tell my people, because I was a trainer, a longtime trainer as well um, for the state of Oregon. Uh, hmm. So what I, I would say, hey, I'm going to give you uh, uh, what cost me three hundred thousand dollars in terms of uh, tuition in in for free in the next you know ten seconds, right? So that statement that your friend was using, hey, have I have I misunderstood you or disrespected you in some way? I'm using the you know, the hand model of the brain. You're speaking right mm -hmm. to the amygdala, mm. right? That statement right there is speaking right to the emotional center of the brain, and it's helping it calm down. It's helping it, you know, mm -hmm. return its lid. That that's what it's doing there. Versus 
stop doing that. You're out of compliance. You know, that you're just going to escalate things there. Right. So right. learning how to speak to the amygdala is huge mm-hmm. in terms of de-escalation. Mm. When you work with men in particular with anger, because Zach and I are couples therapists, do you ever have the pleasure of working with a partnership and mm-hmm. talking through anger and what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've done, you know, my fair share of couples work, um, through my LMFT license and whatnot. And again, I think it's, <laughs> and Lori, you were touching on this. There is a fundamental difference. This is the reason why I'm a, a men's anger coach and, and not a women's anger coach, because I, <laughs> I do believe there's a fundamental difference between the, the feeling states of anger between, you know, people that have more masculine energy versus feminine energy. Um, but so part of it is uh, some baseline education, right? And you know, I can get lost in stories, but this one is a, is a really relevant story. Uh, in my supervision duties at the university, I had a student that was in a uh, clinic up in, in Portland, Oregon, that was uh, providing services to young people that were transitioning from from one uh, gender to the, to the next. And um, the counseling clip was of a person who had uh, a biological born female that was um, transitioning into male. And they had gotten their first round of hormones, their first round of actually, mm-hmm. you know, external testosterone. Sure. And this whole counseling clip was about this person's experience and take away empathy for what men must be going through all the time. And what the person said is, is like, I just felt so angry all day, almost instantly. I was, I felt like I was just going to just rage all the time. And the person said, I, I, I had no idea that this is what it, what it was going to mean, you know, to become male. And, um, mm. and I think that, um, until uh, male and female partners, you know, understand that it, it is biologically different to be existing in the, in the other, uh, body, then a lot of the judgment can get attached to somebody who becomes angry. Right. And it's, it's just fundamentally different in my opinion, in my experience, and it takes a different approach. So educating a couple can go a long ways. Like, yeah, he gets angry. And, and part of that is, and he needs to do something about it. It explains it. It doesn't excuse it. Right. But it isn't something Mm -hmm. that just, you can just turn it off. Right. You can just be, I'm going to be angry and now I'm not going to be angry. There are, there are things that you have to learn about yourself, uh, both psychologically and biologically um, that's part of that process to, uh, resolving anger in my experience. All right. So let's say I'm a, I'm an angry guy and I get referred to you, um, because yep. my wife's fed up or because, uh, I just am out of, I'm out got of in trouble. options. I got in trouble. Yeah. At work. And, um, yeah. yep. So I come to you and, and what, what do you, what do you do? Like, what do you, what is the, like, how do you help me? <laughs> What's the first thing that you, Yep. and I'm an angry guy. Like I was thinking like, it's, it's actually one of my, I love this scene in uh, the first uh, season of Ted Lasso. Did you watch Ted Lasso? Where um, Nate is giving the pep talk to Roy and he's like, anger is your superpower. Like, this is the thing that makes you amazing. You just need to channel it in the right kind of way. And I I, I feel that. I feel that. And that's probably a little bit of the work that you're trying to accomplish. But let's let's say I show up at your doorstep or on your, you know, computer screen or whatever. What, where do we, where do we start? What, what do you do? Yeah. What I do with men is we have to get really clear on what's going on and what's at risk if change doesn't happen. Mm. Because I think 
and this is a male tendency too, is to um, kind of suppress or ignore the reality of of what's going to happen if if something doesn't change. Right. This is why uh, you know men die from heart attacks because they haven't been to the doctor in fifteen years. Right. And so, um, and so I think that's the one of the first things is let's get really clear on number one what's going on and what what you are at risk of losing if you don't make a change. Uh, you know, in an appropriate timeline, because uh, oftentimes men will just ignore that. They'll, they'll, they'll deny it. And if we don't have that outlined, then they're less likely to actually take the work seriously and actually get in there and, and apply themselves. So for me, that's, that's step number one. Step number one is what happens if you don't change? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And there's yep. legitimate things that happen if your behavior, your outward behavior of anger is expressed in an inappropriate way, right? right. Like harming other people. Um, what are some of the less obvious ways? Like if you if you break windows with bats, I'm thinking those are all obvious, but how do you educate and help folks understand the outcome of, of behaviors that are less obvious, maybe more relational? I love that question. Yeah. Yeah, so I call that the destructive angry uh, cycle, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so you have the trigger, you have the behavior um, that does the obvious damage, like you said, the broken windows, um, and then you have the promise: "I'll never do it again." Mm. Right? Uh, I'm going to change. This will never happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you get a little bit of action, a little bit of momentum, but then it quickly falls away because it's so easy to suppress, deny, think you're okay. Then the so here's what here's the answer to your question. Then it's the guilt and shame that sets in, right? Hmm. Um, why men are going to take this? Why can't I do this on my own? Why is this so difficult? I must be really dumb. I must be really broken. I must be, hmm. you know, beyond help. I must be beyond all these things that we start telling ourselves, right? And then, and then the shame starts to creep in. I'm never going to be able to do this. This is never going to be able to work out. I'm not ever going to be able to keep up with what you know the the demands are. So it's that guilt and shame um, that drags a man further, further, and further down into that destructive cycle. Um, mm. But those are all things that we typically, again, ignore, suppress, deny that are, that are at play, right? Mm. So that's what I think it is. It's that it's that guilt and shame that just ensnares men, and it 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 convinces them, you know, mentally that it is what it is. They're not going to get any better. And this is why they drink too much, or why they work too much, or why they. You know, mm. um, to overcompensate. You know. Yeah. Got yeah. Um, Zach, do you remember? I, I forget what the book was that Terry Real wrote, but it was on anger and men. And, um, I don't and something talk about that it. dawned on me. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And he talks about how shame is really uh, like toxic, but not like dangerous. When shame is present, it's dangerous. And I just remember not quite understanding it until he explained what happens when shame starts to creep in. Um, kind of a double whammy. Like you said, well, like his model too you. is that, yeah. is that you can have too much or too little, like, and maybe that's what you're describing, Nick, is that you can have too much shame, meaning I go into these really dark places and I let guilt or mm. or have too little shame where I take it out on everybody and I make sure everybody else is responsible for the, for the problems that I have in my life, you know? Mm. Okay, so then what's step two? So, or you said what happens yeah. when folks come to see yep. you? Yeah, step two then is um, going back to Zach's question is helping them really define what anger is, 
And so mm-hmm. it's a, I want to level the, the playing field for men. Uh, anger is, is not automatically a negative thing. You can use Very anger true. for, for good. You can use anger for, um, positive. Um, you can use anger to, um, take action that serves to protect people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it's a, it's a net neutral feeling state. It's, it's, you know, I'll use a dashboard analogy, right? It, it, anger is a, as a, as a blinking light on the dashboard that's saying, Hey, something needs your attention right now. Right. And there's a hundred, you know, a thousand different ways to respond to that. And some of them are going to be really negative and some of them are going to be really positive, but it's just, it's just a warning light, nothing more, Mm -hmm. nothing less. So Mm. we establish that as what it, what is anger. Um, and then, and then, and this is where my approach will be different than what I was, was taught to do and what I experienced through standard anger management, anger control, um, is you really have to uh, get a good understanding for how anger is present in the man's life and exactly how it has a grip on his life. And it's that it's that axiom, you know, a problem well defined is a problem half solved. Mm-hmm. You short change that process, then you start picking anger management tools. And this is where men say, well, none of those work. It's like, yeah, they probably don't work because we didn't. You sh- not their fault, right? Uh, that, that front end piece of really understanding what anger is and how it's uh, really impacting their life specifically has been shortchanged. Mm-hmm. So I have them list out. I just had uh, my, one of my more recent clients um, zipped through the one of the first activities, which is create your top 10 list of things that really trigger your anger. And he said, <laughs> well, there's really only two things. It's my wife and my son. I, I get it, right? But you know, every day you have a million interactions with your wife and your son and not all 1 million of them trigger your anger. There's specific things that mm. happen with your wife and your son that really trigger your anger. So that's what I need you to zero in on. Focus it. What is it? And then we were able to, you know, specific words, you know, specific times of the day, specific situations. Uh-huh. It was what really what the triggers were. But you see that example? He's, oh, it's my wife and my son. Let's move on to the next thing. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's step two is figuring out what the triggers are. I would imagine that he was probably thinking too, that, that you were asking what triggers your outbursts, like not necessarily your anger, but your, mm-hmm. your, his outbursts, because those right. are different, right? Like the expression right. of anger is different than the feeling Absolutely. of anger. And I think people are much more familiar with the symptom, right? right? Ah, yep. shot, ah, you know, versus the things that you're talking about, which is like, what's the origin? What's the little seed that begins to, give it energy. Right. Oh man. I have a whole nother question. I don't want to derail too much, but I want to put this in to see if there's some thoughts that you might have maybe at the tail end. Cause I want to get through, you know, kind of like your, your working model here, Yeah. which is how does neurodiversity play into anger and anger expression? That's something that I'm seeing a lot is uh, kind of like a disconnection in relationships. So we don't have to answer that now, but I am thinking about that. Yep. Yeah. And so, I mean, I can speak to it because again, I did this in corrections, right? And so yeah. um, I did it. Um, and it, my role towards the end of my career was I was uh, right below uh, the superintendent. And so I took turns being in charge of uh, the whole facility, all 250 kids and all 300 employees, you know, for weeks Jeez. at a time, did this through COVID. Um, but I was also in charge of the quote unquote, three mental health units and the isolation units. Right. So I had <laughs> I had the four highest risk um, uh, units in in the state of Oregon at youth level corrections. They all reported to me directly, right? And so, awesome. Um, 
And so I say that not to, to you know, uh, toot my own horn, but uh, when you want to talk about neurodiversity, uh, yeah, I had neurodiversity uh, yeah. like like most people, like most clinicians probably never have seen unless they've worked in forensic settings, right? And so yeah. it's the the basic building blocks are still the basic building blocks, no matter what the type of neurodiversity that it is, right? Mm -hmm. It's about educating and breaking things down into small digestible steps and then learning how to make recognize progress um, and reinforcing progress at a, at a small level. Now, that sounds very behavioralist. I'm not a true <laughs> diet in the wool behaviorist, but it has its utility in, in these applications, right? So the concepts still apply. You just need to know how to, to break it down into um, digestible pieces so that you can recognize the progress and reinforce the progress and start building on it. When you say recognize the progress, what do you mean by that? So silly example, but um, uh, again, pulling from my corrections environment, uh, you give, you ask, you ask a young person something and they give you a whole string of expletives in response, right? So I would teach the staff, okay, on average, how many expletives did that person give you? I don't know, like 15. Okay, that's 15. Your goal then is to get it down to like 10. And when that kid yes. only gives you 10 expletives, you say, hey, thanks for responding a little bit quicker than you did last time, right? Okay. And then you just have to, you just have to work it down, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so hopefully, I mean, see you're nodding heads, so hopefully that makes makes some sense, right? And so, yeah. 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 I I mean, we I, everything that I do is within the context of a relationship. And, um, and I, I do talk about like behavior reinforcement. When your partner does something that you find enjoyable and you want more of it, then be sure to reward them with your words, right? Right, yeah. Um, and so I guess I'm kind of thinking about when I have partners that say, I don't like the way that you express your anger. It scares me and it activates me. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just thinking about kind of having a partner be able to recognize and reinforce like, yeah. you know what? I noticed that today when you came home from work, you went to the garage for 10 minutes, you came back and you were refreshed. Normally you would come in and you would be grumpy and you would take it out on me. So I'm just kind of thinking about how this can translate into couples work as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and, you know, my thought there is, and this working with the men and we're talking about the rest of the, um, you know, the approach is, you know, if a, if a yellow jacket flies into your, your space right now, either one of you, right. You're going to have mm -hmm, an yeah. immediate response to that yellow jacket because you know that it, it could sting you. If it sting you, it's going to hurt. And so you're going to do all kinds of things because that yellow jacket is in your inner, in your environment mm -hmm. for a man who has a struggle with dis destructive anger. They're just like mm -hmm. a yellow jacket in that person's environment, right? And just because they are going through a process to change and heal and develop and grow um, doesn't automatically change the way that they have conditioned the people in their in their immediate relationships. Um, they still see you as that as that that grizzly bear or that or that yellow jacket. And that's what yeah. men need to understand in this in this process of transformation. Right. Mm -hmm. You can make change. You can be on on this positive trajectory to get things uh, resolved in terms of anger. But you also have to understand that there's another part of this equation, right? There's your kids, there's your family, there's your friends, there's your coworker. And unfortunately, right. you have conditioned them to see you as a threat, especially when they hear your voice start to, yeah. you know, ramp up, sure intensify, or your language start to, your frequency start to speed up. You posture. Mm -hmm. you, those are things that 
as you do them unconsciously, they're still going to trigger that response in, in, mm-hmm. the, in, in your relationships. So you have to expect that, right? So prepping mm. me- mentally for that uh, is also what I do. And it's to keep them to stay the course, right? Ar- mm. Around those things. Yeah. That's such a good reminder. I hear a lot, like, why can't you give me the benefit of the doubt? Right. It's like, I yeah. want to give you the benefit of the doubt, but my nervous system is also picking up on some old information. Right. And you've given me yeah. um, all the, the valid reasons to be concerned when these things totally. happen, right? So yeah. so coaching men through that is uh, is huge uh, mm. and getting them to expect it. I just, again, actually with one of the ones that Zach sent my way, uh, we had a debrief around this. He's like, when you told me that this is how you know this person is going to re- respond, it was so helpful because as I was doing this and having this conversation, that's how they responded. And I just thought, yep, Nick told me this was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he said, no, normally I just would have shut down, gotten defensive, made things worse. But I was just like, nope, here it is. Just like just like Nick told me it was going to, I mean, just was able to stay, remain calm and stay the course through that, through that conversation. So- just reminds me of a phrase that I hear in AA a lot, which is this idea of we're seeking progress, not perfection. And right. people have different right. capacities for progress, mm. right? The man who is angry, yeah. but is slowly improving is like, oh my gosh, look at all this amazing progress. And the people in his environment still have to, you know, uh, that has to kind of translate or move over into them. But you can't, I think, punish people for not being perfect. You can't punish yourself for not being perfect. And you can't punish your kind of your, 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 co- your, your colleagues or your family or your whatever, your relationships for not being perfect. So I appreciate that part of it uh, in terms of what you're describing. Every plate has become a family staple in my kitchen every single week. And I look forward to making a selection from one of 25 different meal options that fit a variety of needs, including time restraints for parents who need a lovely meal in under 30 minutes. So last night was Sunday family night and I grabbed my every plate meal kit and I headed over to grandma's house so that I could cook a home cooked meal in her kitchen. It was super easy. I didn't have to think about what I was going to make for family dinner and I didn't have to shop. So last night we had caramelized zucchini linguine with a lemony Parmesan cream sauce. It was delicious and I was the rock star who prepared it. Every plate is not a luxury expense. In fact, every plate is America's best value meal kit. You can get a meal for $1.49 plus $1 steaks for life by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code 49MTR. Subscriptions must be active to qualify and redeem $1 steaks. Get started with every plate for just $1.49 per meal plus $1 steaks for life by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code 49MTR. Happy New Year, all. You have been listening to the podcast and clearly your minds have been on your relationships. So why not get your partner on board for a virtual weekend workshop with Zach and Laura? That's me. Our next weekend workshop is on February 9th and 10th. That is a Friday evening from 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and Saturday from 8 until 3 Pacific Standard Time. You're getting nine hours of teaching, but more importantly, these are nine hours of practicing new relationship skills with your partner. And dare I say that office time with Zach or myself would equate to over $2,000, so the value to you is $450. We're going to guide you through exercises that will strengthen your intimate connection through conversation and appreciation. You'll learn how to validate your partner's emotions and listen artfully. You'll learn how to navigate conflict while respecting one another and managing your emotions from taking over. 
You'll identify shared values for building a purposeful future together. All of these skills are taught by Zach and Laura with the help of 40 years of empirically validated research by Drs. John and Julie Gottman and the seven principles for making marriage work. So come join us for a super fun and enlightening weekend on February 9th and 10th. Register on our website at marriagetherapyradio.com. Early bird registration has been extended to January 16th and seats are limited for this virtual workshop to maintain an intimate environment for all. So enter promo code WIN, that's for winter, WIN24 early to get the early bird discount of $425 for a couple before January 16th. What are the, I mean, kind of the behavioral tactics? Because I'm thinking through this, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of psychoeducation that you're front loading folks yep. with. And um, and I think we're more accustomed to the behavioral changes and, and learning how to uh, respond to your feelings. Yep. Um, so when does that part start? Yeah. So once we have, you know, a good understanding of triggers mm. and um, being able to predict i mean i'm a big believer in daniel siegel's if you can name it you can tame it and getting them to look at their daily schedule ahead of time and just asking the question what's going to be stressful about today Mm. where where am i potentially going to be stretched then um (laughs) and then almost kind of uh dbt based diary card just getting them to track their emotions track when Mm. they're feeling um angry Right. So that way, because oftentimes there's a pattern that isn't in their consciousness until they start to track it down. Right. Uh-huh. And we know, you know, the evidence suggests that just tracking feelings helps, you know, improve our, you know, response. So those are some of the behavioral things. But then it's actually getting them to pick uh, behavior, res- anger response tools that actually match their, their actual triggers in the top 10 list. Um, and just, mm. you know, priming them to, to use those. And then they come back with me and we process how, how it worked or um, uh, whether it was effective or not, or when to make a switch. Um, so, so that's a big part of the tools to the, to the actual triggers that they're experiencing and then getting them to think through their schedule and saying, where am I going to be stretched thin here based on what I know is coming? What do you mean by it? matching the behavioral tool to the trigger. Like if, um, let's see here, a real example is I have a client that gets really angry when um, wife uh, sort of takes over in parenting, kind of like, uh, you know, like says things like, I'll I'll handle it, I got this, or we'll, you know, like take the baby away from him when he's in the process of swaddling or whatever, because she can do it better. And just he, that's something that really infuriates him. What would be a match to that? I don't understand that, that language. Yeah. So again, you can't just pick random tools. You have to pick tools that actually match the situation. Right. And so, um, in, in a situation like that, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people will say, well, I'll just, I'll just walk away from the situation. Right. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. How are you, how are you going to walk away from that situation? Right. You're, you have your, the baby, your wife is taking the baby out of your hands and now you're really upset. Um, are you actually just going to walk away? Okay. Right? And so it's getting them to actually think through, um, what the situation is, you know, what the anger response is typically, and then picking a better, you know, tool to use in that moment. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, I would imagine there's probably a lot of mental things that are happening in that moment when that baby's being taken away. So probably, mm-hmm. 
um, helping him learn about a thought stopper in that moment is probably mm-hmm. going to be a better tool in that moment, just uh, rather than just saying, I'll, I'll just walk away. Right. And so okay, uh, hopefully that makes some sense around that. Yeah. 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 I mean, like same thing if like, you get triggered in like a business situation, you can't right. just walk away from a business meeting. You got to nope. stay in that board meeting. So Absolutely. what are you going to do? Okay. Gonna do? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Cool. Um, I'm going to shut up now because I'm totally, I'm getting all my questions answered and I'm going <laughs> to pass it to you, Give Zach. Zach sorry chance. for taking over. Yeah. yeah. Well, to me, it's all very fascinating. I'm, I love talking with Nick and, and kind of, uh, I, I love Nick as a resource. Um, and it just help. it's helpful to hear about and understand that it's not all, it's not all and always, uh, like going into your trauma and trying to like understand the origin story. Like that is important work. Maybe that's the below the line work that you're talking about in terms of therapy. And then mm-hmm. here above the line, we're just trying to help guys, or you're just trying to help guys in particular, pull it together and make better choices inside of their relationships. And I, um, I don't know. I'm really grateful to hear a little bit more about your work um, as we we're just about to crash out of time. So I do want to make sure that people know how to find you and kind of what your kind of what your your core, I don't know, elevator speech is or at least your 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 parting <laughs> message um, so that we can make sure yeah. that folks that are interested in working on their anger know how to how to access you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm pretty much on all the platforms. Uh, Nick Sotelo. Uh, Dr. Nick Sotelo have a podcast as well, so you can you can pretty much find me on whatever platform uh, fits your fits your fancy there. And if anything that I've said here has resonated with you, you need help with anger, or you have somebody in your life that needs help with anger, just shoot me a DM on most any platform, and I'll see it. If I don't see it the same day, within a day or two, I'll see it. But I do have a website uh, particular for this. It's uh, angerresolution.xyz. Somebody has .com and isn't doing anything with it, but. Uh, so I have uh, anger it. resolution. That makes me angry. Dot X, Y, Z. And you definitely can plug into, you know, um, my resources there. Uh, I offer pretty much my whole program is out there for free. I have a YouTube channel as well. Um, and, you know, so it's out there. You can plug into, you know, everything that we've talked about in this interview is out there. And I have uh, free PDF guides to go along with every, anything. And, you know, I, I just want to, to get, this information out there in as many hands uh, as possible so that people can start making a, a difference uh, in their life, you know, around this, this issue, because uh, we didn't get here, but in our conversation, but you know, uh, our societies can condition men to tap into anger over the other primary feeling states. And that's part mm-hmm. of the reason why we have men that, you know, have anger issues is uh, they have help along the way to, uh, deny and suppress those other feeling states and, and, and feel more comfortable with anger. That's, that's part of how men get there. Yeah. I believe it. Um, this was a joy. I'm excited to have a reference of being able to refer folks to you. Um, yeah. Or you and can just also hop on over listeners. to Salem and like, uh, and hang out. Uh, I'm yeah, in Bend, I, Nick. So that's why uh, yeah. he was saying nice. hop on over. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. maybe you can go be a guest lecturer in one of Nick's classes. Absolutely. Let's land this plane, shall we, gentlemen? Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. Thank you to our guest, Nick Sotelo. It's N-I-C-K, Nick. And then Sotelo is spelled S-O-T-E-L-O. You can find him on his website, nicksotelo.com. 
Uh, but I, the YouTube channel, I am so pumped to go to that and check out all of his free materials. Um, he has his own podcast. He's doing supervision coaching as well as has lots of free PDFs available on his website. So please check out Nick Sotelo. Thank you for being on the podcast. And thank you so much for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.